Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 440 of the JV Club with my guest, Laura Bricker. Laura is another one of the fantastic crime writers on co-hosts. She also just recently released a book that I have in my bookshelf at my very own home, Dead on Deadline. And if you've heard me talk about the show on the podcast before, which I bet you have, you know, it's just one of my faves. So was so excited to have Laura on and excited to make it part of the Max Fun Block Party. Now, wonderfuls, I would be remiss if I didn't point out something very special that's happening at Maximum Fun right now. Listen, this is a network you know something fun is always going on because it's in the name. But I'm really excited about this new thing that the fine, fine folks at Maximum Fun have put together for us this week. It's our virtual block party. It's going on from now until October 22nd. And guess what? You're invited. Now, during Block Party, here's what happens. Maximum Fun shows are releasing episodes that are especially welcoming to new audiences, like this one that you're listening to right now. So I don't know if you've been encouraging maybe a friend, maybe an enemy to try out our show. (laughs) This is the perfect episode to share with them. It's also a great time to check out shows you've been curious about since they're releasing episodes geared towards new audience members too. Block Party also has games. Yeah, games. Recommendations. Very cool. A volunteer event. I'm always big thumbs up for a good volunteer event and a limited edition poster. And then there's, of course, more that I'm not even talking about. So find out about all that fun stuff at MaximumFun.org slash Block Party. And tell your friends. I don't know why I'm whispering. Then tell your enemies. Maybe don't tell your enemies. You know what? Tell your enemies. This is a time for us all to heal. Anybody have any friend who more than you they would say like there's only one Laura Brooker like there's no. only one da 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 no no <laughs> you're the number one there's only one of you in everyone's life yeah pretty much <laughs> that's so cool yeah no it, it's crazy like I was just I'm working on this thing for my book talk next week and um and I don't know do you start how do you start this I'm just chatting because I'm oh this yeah I, it's it's a real midstreamer it's a real like oh okay. we oh oh thanks for joining us we've already been having a conversation so <laughs> yeah well I was sitting here I'm like planning on I have my big book launch next Wednesday and I'm like looking at the description and I'm like I feel like I'm going to have to like go back to the beginning and tell people like, how does somebody become a certified cat detective, true crime author, former defense investigator, a private detective journalist, and (laughs) I don't even know what else is thrown in that mix. You know, I'm like, how does one get those credentials? It's well, I think from the little I've been teased about your upbringing, it starts with growing up with no electricity. It kind of <laughs> does. It kind of does. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up in Vermont in this super small town, population like 500. Um, we are our, our closest neighbor was like a mile away. And yeah. I want you to imagine an extreme extrovert born into that environment. <laughs> Like, wow! I was like, where, where do I go? What do people? I do? Where are the people? Like, we had a soda machine in my town. That's what we had. And it had like four oh, flavors no. of soda. Pepsi. Oh, no. Diet Pepsi, Mountain Dew, and orange. Yeah. Um, orange so, or like, is that Orange Crush? Yeah, it was Orange Crush. I don't know crush. why that's important for me to know. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was definitely Orange Crush. And that was like the hub of the town. Oh, my God. A soda machine. Yeah, a soda machine. And so I grew up on a horse farm. 
How many, what's what's the we of your family? Well, it's kind of, so my parents got divorced when I was like seven. And so it was my mother and my little brother, Will, and I, and okay. like a hundred horses. Uh, a hun- like literally a hundred Literally a hundred horses. Like, um, yeah. So I grew up on a horse farm and it was, you know, it was, it was a very unique um, upbringing. I went to like, my mom was like kind of like an old school horse dealer. Uh-huh. Like you would see in like the Marlboro Man commercials. And so I went to these crazy horse auctions growing up. And oh, wow. I saw like a lot of things. And I think that's where I also learned to start to be kind of snoopy. Um, uh-huh. Is that even a word? <laughs> snoopy? Uh, I mean, first of all, it's a fantastic cartoon dog. Second of all, 100% it is. Okay. It's a word. Yeah. Okay. So I was snoopy. I mean, yeah, you're a snoop. You're, you, you're snoopy. Yeah, I was Snoopy. So when the horses would come in from out west on like the big tractor trailer trucks and they would come into this sort of clearinghouse, this auction where they were sold, um, I would be sent out as sort of like the scout because nobody paid attention to like a little kid. Sure. So I would like eavesdrop on all the horse dealers and find out. This is amazing. Oh, my God. Yes. And. Because sometimes what they would do, which was which was unfortunate if it was me that this happened to, is they would like tranquilize horses and sell them if they were like crazy. And then you'd Ugh. get home and be like, oh, it wasn't oh, the gentle no. children's horse or whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Was so when you say she was an old school horse dealer and, and she was auctioning, is that so is that sort of the primary way that you acquire and sell horses is through auction or were people also like coming to the farm like like a t- like a rich see I don't I mean I'm from Arizona there's plenty okay. of horses in Arizona yeah. but um but I think of east coast horses as like dressage you know okay which is totally inaccurate like on both sides I'm sure there's tons of dressage in in Arizona too but there's a lot of ranches and you know mm-hmm. stuff like that people who are like living the pseudo cowboy life in Arizona um so I always imagine like a small like Veruca salt type you know coming to the horse ranch <laughs> in Vermont and being like I want that one daddy like that's the one I want that's not how people talk in the east coast but that's what I imagine you know and then like okay baby you can have this one and you know and like is it is are there is that happening too like sort of like high end like brats <laughs> um sort of there's like a mix there's a mix yeah so she, so she supplied horses to like summer camps and things and then would sell horses that had been at camp as children's horses and my my shtick was like i would be like this is my favorite horse ever and i'm so uh-huh. sad to part with this horse and if i could have one horse to keep it would be this one <laughs> this is like paper moon you're tatum o'neill and you're like basically you run your con from your ranch it's not like you're you're not doing it door to door but yeah. you are you are like a key player in the snoopiness mm-hmm. and in the i don't think we can park with this one but yeah. if you're really serious maybe sound of money sound of money <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. What about Will? He wasn't involved in the the hucksterism. The not hucksterism. Totally kidding. <laughs> he wasn't involved in the scams. No. Um, <laughs> he was into um, like 4-H and dairy cows and maple sugaring and things like that. So he made maple okay. syrup. So he was like kind of looked like the good humor ice cream man. He'd go to these like 4-H shows with his cows. Yeah. And they'd have to dress in like white. You know, like the whole white thing with these little white hats, like the ice cream man, <laughs> and like lead their cows around. 
and and how does how does not but you did it's true that you did was it that you didn't have electricity or yeah. was it, it right you didn't when yeah. how long was that a, was that a was thing? that a thing um that was a thing until I was a junior in high school so Laura I know what but I, I know how, did, how? you're speechless um, I am I know so my parents moved to Vermont from Ohio and then they bought this farm and they were kind of in this like hippy dippy stage of like the 1970s and they're like we are just gonna like live off the land and all this sure. stuff and um so they moved to a bigger property but it didn't have electricity and I don't think that the goal was that they weren't gonna put electricity in um what happened my parents got divorced and then there was this thing where if you brought in electricity um a certain number of years after you moved there, you would have to pay for the person down the road who got it. And my mom really didn't like that guy. That's so odd. she wasn't going to pay for his electricity. So it was yeah. kind of like a standoff sort of thing after okay. the hippy dippy thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And what is, so what does that look, I mean, I've heard you talk a little bit about it. I feel like there were a lot of like, lanterns like yeah. with batteries though it wasn't no. just everything was everything by candlelight no. <laughs> <laughs> i was like laura ingles wilder janet <laughs> and, uh no it wasn't quite like that um so we had propane so we had like these propane oh that's right lanterns okay, yeah. on like the wall yes. and and it was you it was kind of frightening when you were little because you'd have to like light a match and then turn it on yeah and, poof, and um yeah, and then we had scary. a generator Okay, okay. And so on like Friday night, we got to watch TV. So pretty much my whole This is whole coming back to me now from culture, many years of listening yeah, to the podcast. My whole pop culture reference of like any sort of television show was Dallas because that was on like Friday nights. <laughs> Which so. I've never seen. That was what? a full... I consider... I thought of that as like a... Ve- like that's for a show for grownups, mm-hmm. you know? Which I think translates to like... The, like, I was still watching, like, adult kind of sitcom stuff, but, like, the one hours just, it didn't even, I don't think it even occurred to me to watch them. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It was, like, soap operas and one hours were for grownups, and, you know, Night Court was for children, which is not Night the case. Night Court was but, for children? Yeah, I couldn't have loved <laughs> Night Court more. Um, <laughs> like, and, you know, watch Cheers and stuff with my dad and, and, yeah. and all that, but, um, so... <laughs> And so how did that, like, when you were, because when you're a kid, at least in my experience, for sure, you know, I was fairly tomboyish and that stuff was just not a big deal to me. Like, I, the best thing about going to summer camp was, like, not having to shower for a few days and it not being a thing, you know? But, like, then when I got into sort of junior high and high school and, you know, that I was sort of turning inward and, like, wanting to be attractive and whatever version of that meant like in some cases you know a dog collar and black lipstick super pretty but um like how did you have a different relationship to kind of the 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 way your life was structured structured that was maybe a little more unusual than people that you were going to school with well I mean this was Vermont Janet so so everyone everyone had propane tanks pretty much pretty much and generators got it well it's interesting so I think if it had been anywhere else it would have been different but you know, there was a lot of people in Vermont that were like living with solar panels or living without electricity or living off the. So there was definitely, 
like, you know, there was all sorts of people, you know, so it was a little harder when I got to high school and I'm like, I want to like do my hair or something. Right. I guess that's what I was do your hair. And yeah. um, Oh, God. And then like one time, you know, and then sometimes I get like special permission to like use the generator in the morning or something. And you remember when you like started to use a curling iron? Oh, yeah. And I I was like and and we had the bangs. So I was like doing the bangs. And and you can still I burned right here. (laughs) Of course you did. Of course you did. And by the way, so did I. But of course you did. <laughs> and like, yeah, it was awful. And I was like going around for weeks with this. Oh, it was like the scarlet God. letter on my face uh-huh. or something. <laughs> yeah. Nobody needs extra stuff on your face when you're a teenager and already like tangling with like pimples and everything else. We don't need like more burns and welts on our faces. No. Well, how was your was your high school like a huge gathering of people from other small communities or was it just a really small school? Well, that's like a whole another story. So we didn't have a high school in my town. So I actually went to three different high schools because they had a thing where you could go. So I went to one school for like junior high and then I went to a school that was even farther away, which talk about um, a total culture shock. I went to a school that was in the same town as Dartmouth College. Oh, wow. And um, that was like that was totally different. But it was just too hard to get a ride there. There was like no bus. You had to find your own transportation. I'm so sad to hear that you didn't ride a horse. (laughs) I did not ride a horse. I did once ride a bike to school. Um, when I was in elementary school, and that was like a whole episode. But um, the school that I graduated from, we had 35 kids in my graduating class. Okay, this I now I remember you did tell yep. me that it was very tiny. Five sending towns. We would have had 36, but one guy got caught stealing cars like right before graduation. <laughs> so it was only 35. Sorry, guy. Sorry. Sorry, Lloyd. That's on you, Lloyd. That's on you. Lloyd. And what about just like, I mean, you went to different schools, so I guess you were still meeting different people mm-hmm. but if you go to a high school like so what was the but did, were you all four years at that 35 person no so you weren't okay no I transferred there junior year so the last two okay. years yeah okay I mean that's slim pickings in terms of like friends and lovers <laughs> there was like two boys that were cute seriously I mean it was like um and then like once you date both of them you're like well what to do now yeah. guess we're moving to the college boys <laughs> Did you have, did you date both of them? And was it sort of like, yeah, everybody, everybody cycled through those two guys. Yeah, uh, pretty much, pretty much. And, um, and then I went to the college boy. Um, and, and that was like a whole scandal. But <laughs> what? you, you're so good and you do this on the show too, but like, you're so good at dropping little like, and that's a whole other story thing. And <laughs> it's very hard to not want to unpack each and every one of them. Uh, what sorry. was the college boy scandal? It was, it was, um, you know, so it was, it was interesting. You know, I was saying this to a friend of mine the other day. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like when people had like high school boyfriends, like senior year and I'm like, I practically lived at this guy's house and nobody said anything about it because uh-huh. it was Vermont. I, I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, looking back, I'm like, wow, uh, where were the grownups in this picture? I don't know. Um, yeah. But, you know, off I went to school and then like my whole you know, um, freshman year of school, I like went back every weekend um, before I moved on to the other college boys. So he was in college when you were in high school. Yeah. And then but then you did go away to college. But I then did. you tried to make it happen with him, like keep it with him. Yeah, that's so your mom was just like, whatever. Yeah, we didn't really have we had a complicated relationship. I guess that's the most diplomatic way to say that. That's a lot. 
Yeah. I mean, again, like you're so you, I, I won't make this about that yeah. relationship at all. But in terms of like, let's she'll, let's put it this way and keep her out of it. But just say like you were a kid who sort of took care of herself. And so, you know, the stuff that you were doing, like, again, you just seem very well-rounded and very like you're you clearly know how to take care of yourself. But there's not a sense of like you still have so much like like ebullience like you still like you don't seem like you're worn down by like growing up too soon or do you know what I mean like you're you still have so much playfulness and so much like lightness that's kind of what I'm saying about the kind of yeah. the dark and the light which yeah. I think is like really cool well I will say this is this is not a very um nice way to say it but I, one of my friends at college she said you know Laura Bricker you can just eat a shit sandwich and still smile <laughs> like nothing seems to get you down and I was like well I guess it's just like my outlook on life. I mean, you know, yeah. I did I did um, kind of grow up fast and I did a lot of the raising of myself and my little brother. And, I, you know, but I also always kind of kept a positive attitude of where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. So where did you want to go and what did you want to do? Well, I hope you're sitting down, Janet. I was going to be a horseback riding instructor. Okay. okay. So I went off to the University of New Hampshire and... I got a four-year degree in equine science. Oh, man. I'm sorry I said what I said about dressage. There's nothing wrong with dressage. <laughs> I hate dressage. To me, it just seemed like very no, sophisticated and it, cool and it's polished. It's the worst. I, didn't have okay. the po- I did not have the patience for dressage. Um, I was going to be a horseback riding instructor. And then, like, a ra- and, and I was a pretty good rider. So my nickname at college, can we swear on this podcast? Absolutely. My nickname in college was Velcro Ass. Because I could stay on anything. <laughs> so, That's why someone asked if you rode the mechanical bull in Nashville, I bet. Mm-hmm. If you were, if you were, because you could probably like, you know, best I did. the best. I could. I, I had a little stint in Velcro the rodeo ass. when I was in high school yeah. um, and, and did some rodeo riding. But oh, anyway. awesome. When I was in college and, you know, like junior year and they're giving me all these like crazy horses to ride. And then I'm starting to fall off a lot, which is saying something since I did have the Velcro ass. I was like, right. I think I need a backup plan. Like, <laughs> what could I do in a body cast? I could, <laughs> I could write. Your backup plan was I'll still continue with this, but inevitably I will end up breaking all my bones. So I need to be able to do something that is not like super actiony yeah absolutely amazing and i was like and i would say this is i'm like i could probably like use a pen in my mouth if it really got serious like <laughs> you know that's our lar bricker yeah i was like i can do it so okay yeah so um, you started did you start taking creative writing or journalism or both or would you no i did journalism and yeah. um one of the things that was great about journalism you know i liked it i'd always been interested in writing but taking the upper level journalism class got me out of this class that I really didn't want to take in the equine science, uh-huh. which was artificial insemination. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. That's a, that's a lot. Equine science. That's a lot. Four years of equine science. Yeah. I wouldn't even know. I feel like I could make a slightly educated guess about like what two classes would be in equine science. Okay. And then I would be like, well, I'm out. Like I wouldn't know. <laughs> Like I would not have guessed that a class on artificial insemination would be like a, a feel, like a class for a semester. Oh yeah, and, and and then also don't ask me to actually guess. Get it, get it. Don't ask me to actually guess because I can't even think of two classes. <laughs> I was going to ask you to guess anatomy. 
Uh, yeah, that Horse was anatomy. Yep, yeah, there you go. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, 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 just like um, nutrition. Yeah, that was oh, it. Horse this nutrition. Is great. Yeah. Okay. That was it. it. <laughs> I was out and I was like, I'm not getting up at six in the morning for the artificial insemination class. I would like to take like master's level journalism instead. And they're like, nice. Okay, that sounds good. And I'm like, phew, I dodged a bullet there, man. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Friends, we get our cars tuned up to prevent bigger issues down the road, right? We get annual checkups. We go to the gym to maintain physical wellness and prevent injury and disease in a perfect world. Or maybe we get our exercise outside. But going to therapy is like all of the above. It's just routine maintenance for your mental and emotional wellness to prevent bigger issues down the road. So therapy doesn't mean something's wrong with you, you know? It means you're investing in yourself to keep your mind healthy. You know I am such a huge proponent of that. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It can be more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. So why invest in everything else and not your mind? Seriously. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and the JV Club listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash JV Club. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash JV Club. Well, wonderfuls, prepare to get your blush on, because I'm back to tell you more about Dipsy. You know everyone needs an escape. But you also know those can be a little hard to come by right now. So enter Dipsy. Let yourself get lost in a world where good things happen and where your pleasure is the only priority. Janet, I'm fanning myself with my hand. Please continue. All right, I will. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. Each Dipsy audio story features characters that feel like real people and immersive scenarios so you feel like you're right there. Janet, I have some ice that I'm pressing up against my face. Please continue. And if you need to wind down, Dipsy also has wellness sessions, sensual bedtime stories, and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. Janet, the last thing I'm thinking about right now is going to sleep, but thank you. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash jvclub. That's 30 days of full access for free, when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash JV Club. Dipsystories.com slash JV Club. Journalism, too, I would imagine, like, I mean, that activated your snoopiness in terms of, like, I'm good at sort of being a fly on the wall. I can ask questions. I, you know, sort of am interested in other people's, like, lives and kind of mm-hmm. what their stories are. Oh, absolutely. And so I ended up getting an internship at the paper here in Exeter where I live now. And like right away, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is what I should be doing because I would go out. I get these great stories. It was very exciting. I had a lot of energy. So I was also very competitive. Um, so I loved scooping people. Uh-huh. <laughs> it like made my day when I could scoop somebody. And like some of the older, like kind of burned out reporters that have been doing it well, I'd be like, oh, that fucking Laura Berger. Because uh-huh. I'd be like, here I am again. <laughs> well, give, can you give me an example? I'm sure you have like a couple specific memories of things that you scooped that you were like, yes, 
Like that's a notch on the belt. Oh, yeah. Actually, I was because I was thinking about some of my fun journalism stories. Um, So like there was a time I got this phone call and it was like, go to this address at this time. There's no. a dog fighting ring being broken oh. <laughs> up. And I'm like, what? And so this photographer, Deb and I went out and I didn't know what to expect. And we're like hiding in the bushes. And I'm like, I got this phone call, this anonymous tip. I, I knew who it was, but it was like a, an anonymous tip. I did recognize the voice. Because uh-huh, it's Exeter, because it's not like you're living in New York City where you wouldn't. Yeah. Like, did you? This was a couple towns over. This was in Newton. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, this was in Newton. But New- you did still know who it was. I did. And it was in Newton, New Hampshire. And so this photographer and I were in the bushes. And all of a sudden, all these like vans started coming down the road. And we're like, what is going on? And so we're like, and and they basically, this guy, it was really sad. The story actually ended up being very sad. But he had been illegally fighting pit bulls in this building out Ugh. in the woods behind this very nice house in a very nice, uh-huh. like, McMansion kind of development. And yeah. so they went out and saved all the dogs. And a funny aside from this is there's this guy kept, like, running by, and he'd run by, and then he'd run by as this was happening. And I found out, like, a couple of years later, he was actually a friend of Fireman Ken's who lived in the neighborhood. Oh, Oh, yeah. And he wanted to. So he was just kind of like, he knew something was up as well. And he was, like, doing some recon just as a jogger in the neighborhood. Yeah. Trying to, like, figure out what was going on. Yeah. So there was that one. And then probably the one that they used, like, one of my old editors always told this story. I was It was, like, Fourth of July weekend. And before Fireman Ken, I dated some people who weren't as enthusiastic about the news as I was. Uh Um. So if I was out and I saw something that looked like a news story, I'd be like, oh, this something's going down. I need to see what's happening. Right, so right. <laughs> it was like 4th of July weekend. We're going out to Hampton Beach, which is this like very, you know, kind of arcade style beach community, Jersey Shore kind of place. And we see all these police over by this water area in the marsh and that major crime van. And I'm like, something's going down. Yeah. So they found a woman that had been killed and weighted down and tossed into the um, marsh. And they nobody knew who it was. Nobody could identify her. And this was in like the early days of being able to do internet searches. Where mm-hmm. like in our newsroom, we had one computer with internet access. Wow. And like you had to fight over it with the other people. Uh-huh. And then I'm like, I I need this. So I went on and I just started searching and searching and searching for like missing people. And I found a woman whose description matched the description they had for this woman. And I was like, I I know it's that woman. So I called the police department in. You scooped the police. Well, but wait till you hear what I did. (laughs) Oh, my God. I called the police department and I pretended like I was sharing information with them, even uh-huh. though I was really trying to get the information. So uh-huh. I was like, hey, I'm a reporter up here in New Hampshire. And um, geez, I just I don't know if you guys know about this, but there's this woman and it really sounds very similar to this woman in your town. And I and, and he goes, yeah, the detective's up there. And I was oh. like, can I confirm that? Oh, God, that's so smart. Yeah. So that was well, fun. That's- yeah, that's what I was going to ask about. Like with something, for example, like the 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 dog fighting, was the person who, I mean, you don't have to say who it was, but like was, did did the police already know about it and you were there for the bust or yeah. you, okay, okay. So it wasn't like you knew about it, wrote about it, 
and then it got busted or, no. you know, you had to like sit on a story no. until the police had done something. Have you been in that situation before where like you had to have that conversation with the cops where you're like, I want to publish, you know, like we all see in movies, like I want to publish. And they're like, we are we need to do a couple more things before it makes sense for you to to publish. I'm sure I have. Uh, you know, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there's been a lot of, you know, I think when you work as a journalist in a small community in an area, you have a different sort of relationship with the police. And it's a, a little sure. bit more like if you, um, you know, wait to go forward with a story, you get the exclusive if you have the information ahead. So you have sort of a working relationship where they can trust you and you can trust them and you know they're not going to go give the information to someone else if you sit upon yeah. it for a few days type thing. Yeah. Did you ever want to or did you ever go to like a bigger like metropolitan area and and try your hand at journalism there? Or was did it feel right to kind of be in smaller communities where those relationships exist and where, you know, that's like the experience of being a journalist there is probably I mean, I would imagine it's a little different than having to like deal with the, you know, Washington, D.C. bullshit or whatever. Yeah. So I actually I know you're surprised. I actually have a story for this um, because I did. I, I have a story for everything. It's it's great. It's true. It's it's true. I, you know, I did want to go to a bigger paper. So at one point I left. I had gone through kind of all the positions at the local group of papers. I'd covered like every beat there was. I really got into police reporting. And then I decided I was going to become like a full time freelancer. And so I ended up doing some freelancing for the Boston Globe. Um. This was in like the early 2000s when I don't know if you remember the Dartmouth College murders happened where the two professors were killed um, by two high school kids. Who I have barely I like absolutely know the Dartmouth murders. If you asked me what the Dartmouth murders were, I would not tell you that it was too. I would just be like, oh, I don't know. I just know there were some. So the quick the quick gist is that there was these this uh, this professors, these two professors, and they were like brutally killed it was like you know not not a good it was a very violent crime scene and yeah. eventually it came out that it was these two high schoolers from the very small town that I graduated high school from 35 kids in the class kind of place yeah. and so all the media from everywhere was up there and I was feeling like this little town was being Kind of like they weren't being portrayed accurately because they were not interviewing people that were actually good sources. They were interviewing anybody they could talk to. And I was like, no, I should go up there and I should cover this. And yeah. so I pitched it. I went up there for the Boston Globe to cover this murder. And, you know, and I was it was it was rough because like I was like at one point I was like voted off the island like in Survivor because um, uh -huh. I went into like a town meeting at the church uh -huh. and uh, they were like well, she shouldn't be here. And then this, other, and there was like a whole like town meeting debate about whether I should stay. And like this <sighs> one guy gets up and he says, well, Laura Bricker is as much a part of this town as anyone. And I think she should stay. And they're like, Laura Bricker's out. And then he says, well, <laughs> I'm going across the street to the bar and I'm buying her a drink. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, oh my God. So I get voted off the island and then, but I'm still covering it. And this was the worst thing. And this was again in the days of like nobody had internet. Because it was yeah. like, and so my friend, like my best friend from high school worked at this like office right downtown. I used her internet to send my stories in. They, and it came from her email for some reason. I can't remember why. They thought her name was my pen name. 
So they put okay. her name as the author oh, of no. the story. And her what? mom worked in the school. Oh, no. And it was horrible. Oh, no. Horrible. What a crazy mistake to make. Yep. So Jesus. And then that happened. And then they were like, they wanted me to call people like in the middle of the night. And I was like, you know what? That's just not how I operate. Like I yeah. treat people with decency and respect. And I'm just, I don't want to be that type of journalist. Sure. So I was like. The like, gotcha, I'm going to. I don't yeah. even see how that works. It just mm-hmm. seems so unappealing. I can't imagine somebody being like, sure, I'll open up to you, perfect stranger, in the middle of the night who called mm-hmm. me at my home. That seems yeah. like, why? Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm all set. I'm done. <laughs> that was yeah. it, Boston Globe. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Sorry, Boston Globe. And then the kicker. Oh, my God. The kicker was. So they ran a correction. But then the book came out that there was like some dar- uh, some Globe reporters. And in the back where it had all the sources. No. They still had her, her name. name. And I was like, oh, God. my God. That is so unprofessional. It was horrible. That's a real you had one job kind of situation. Like, no one? Really? The Boston Globe. No one got it together enough to get that right? That's just no. absurd it was and horrible. lazy. It was it's horrible. absurd and lazy. God, this is like a therapy office. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. No formal training. Thank you. No formal training. Um, did you, in terms of like crime beats and stuff, and you said that you that you found an interest in that early, was that something that you, did you love like reading mysteries? I mean, I know Dallas had a bit of a mystery. I do seem to remember JR getting shot, even though I never saw the show, but it was all over. It was splashed all over the tabloids who yes. shot JR. Um, did you, so were you, because I was definitely like a Nancy Drew, like my mom gave me all her old Nancy Drew books when I was little and you know it was just very into like that like the mystery kind of stuff were you consuming that since you were not necessarily consuming a ton of television were you like a big reader or oh yeah yeah absolutely I mean oh my god in like high school I'm reading like all these like Mary Higgins Clark mystery books (laughs) and like staying up like all night with my flashlight to read them um Yes. yes. So I was I was a, I've always been a huge reader. And, you know, there's I go through spits and spells where I read more, but it was always, you know, and then I, I went through like the, you know, ninth grade Danielle Steele phase where I thought it was like super naughty that I was reading Danielle Steele and I was like uh-huh. hiding the books <laughs> so nobody knew that I was reading them. I've never read Danielle Steele. But let me say, as a former San Franciscan, the incredibly large mansion that is off of like that like has views of Alcatraz and faces a, one of the most beautiful parks in San Francisco. I mean it looks like a French chateau. It's so insane and it's a full city block. And like that's my sense of Danielle Steele is wow. I've never read any of her books, but obviously I've been to, you know, the airport bookstore like everyone else and definitely she's ubiquitous there as is Mary Higgins Clark. Mm-hmm. But that house was like that was a whole new level of understanding of what it meant to be a best-selling author with that level of success. It was like, oh, my God, like, this is crazy money. This is crazy money. You're not going to see that at my house. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I have a catio, um, but... You've got your catio? I do. I do It's have a big that. deal. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know. Like, aside from... Aside from those kinds of writers who I feel like have been around for a long time or like why a, you know, vampire to like teen vampire kind of stuff, um, which like more power to them. um, I don't ever feel like I 
I don't have the thing that's like, you know what? Like, even if they don't know they're doing it, I still don't have the unconscious thing of like, and then I just happened to write something that 10 billion people wanted to read. Like, I just don't feel like that's my sensibility. It will be like, oh, a, a quirky number of awesome people also thought this was cool. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and they're yeah. all my people. Like, there's nobody that I wouldn't be like, let's have coffee, <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing. Well, it is. And Exeter, where I live, is like, this town is the town that Dan Brown came from, of the Da Vinci Code and all that. And That's right. he was launched at our, you know, Water Street Bookstore, our independent bookstore downtown. So everybody always is like, and so there's like this pressure when you live in Exeter, everybody's like, are you going to be the next Dan Brown? And I'm like, uh-huh. no. But hey, thanks for the vote of confidence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, you don't know that yet. Your book is just barely coming out right now. Yeah. Um, Cozy Mysteries, that's not very Mary Higgins Clark or Danielle Steele. When did the Cozy Mystery enter into your existence? You know what? The Cozy Mystery, I, I think I watched a lot of them on TV. So the original like Murder, She Wrote kind Murder, of stuff. Murder, She Wrote. Yeah. I loved Murder, She Wrote. Yeah. Um, early on in the COVID times, I started like re-watching Murder, She Wrote because it was so soothing. Uh-huh. I was like, this is the kind of death I can handle right now. <laughs> and like, I, I just found, I was like, this is this is a nice mystery. It's not too dark. It's not too deep. It's kind of funny at times. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, and honestly, you know, I was at home during COVID. My husband is a full-time fire chief. Um, our son is 15 and, and he was home doing remote school. Yeah, one of my part-time gigs, along with everybody else, they laid off all the adjunct people early on. And so I was like, what am I going to do? And yeah. my husband was like, just finish your book. And I'm like, well, I don't know who the protagonist is. And I'm like, wait a minute. Look at my crazy life. Like, yeah. funny, quirky. Like, I, there's definitely something to work with here. Yeah. Okay. So you're the person. You're that person that everyone, when people are like, and then I felt the pressure, like, I should finally write that book. Mm-hmm. You, you're the person that actually did that. Yeah, it was, well, it was either that or continue to try to micromanage a teenager. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> I think I'll write you that book. You put your energy in the right place. You I put did. your energy in the right place. I did. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, you, I think, well, I know that you got into Louise Penny too, which is, I've been yes. a fan of since, I don't know when, I mean, it's been many years now. I can't remember when I first started reading slash listening to Louise Penny or even mm-hmm. how I found out about her. Um, but that's another example of like, you know, certainly is a type of cozy mystery, but also like unabashedly kind of profound in the stuff that she likes to dig into or you sort of get the sense where she really is one of those authors who's like I'm going to set this in this place I'm already curious about or mm-hmm. in this world or with this subject that I'm I'm interested in and then I'm just going to use that as an excuse to become you know a temporary expert in you know this this one place where these you know brotherhood of monks are and make cheese or mm-hmm. you know the like the li- a, li- a beautiful library and like the tunnels underneath the it's just like that's that's a whole other kind of cool 
thing that, by the way, I could totally see you doing. Like, you've got, you're establishing your world, but I feel like you have that kind of curiosity, too, where you would be like, I don't know, like, in passing, I was talking to someone, they mentioned catacombs, and then I was like, are there catacombs near here? And then I found out there's a ton of catacombs around here. So the next book was set in the catacombs. Ask me anything you want about catacombs. Oh, my, it's Janet, it's like you can they read. They have cat in the name. It has cat, cat in the name. What's not to love? There are cats in the catacombs. Oh, my God. And, you know, it's like you can read my mind because I did just hear about these secret tunnels under my Shut town. up. Are you serious? No, I'm freaking serious. Oh, oh, secret... oh. I am. This is psychic happening right here. Right there. We're, we're oh. like melded. Yeah, yeah. So there's tunnels. And I'm, I'm like trying to find somebody that will take me down in the tunnels because I'm like, that's a good yeah. spot to like hide a body. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Who has the access to the tunnels? Who is in charge of the tunnels? Um, The prep school in town, I believe. Okay. Phillips Exeter. Um, okay. Yeah, so that might be, but it's like I was at, so we have this wine bar in town, and um, the guy who owns it is a super interesting guy. It's like a retirement, his retirement thing. He loves wine. He's traveled the world, and so he's trying to sort of educate people, and so I'm like, I guess I got to drink something besides Chardonnay. I'm going <laughs> to the wine bar, and I'm there one night, and he's telling me, he's like expanding, and he bought the property that was the jewelry store next door, and he's telling me there's this huge vault in the basement, and uh-huh. it was so thick that... It took them like a month to disassemble it. I'm like, what is in Whoa. the vault? So, Just a small, like a like a little jewelry store that had this massive vault. Yeah. Oh, that's got to go in there. That's got to go in. It, it that's will. Fantastic. It's that's fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I will say too, my experience with firefighters. I'm speaking of your wonderful husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and also thinking about you know the adorable Bob Ruff. Um, they oh, yeah. ever like all the firefighters I meet have a very specific sense of humor. Uh, and that I don't know if that is, you know, if your husband has that, but it in my mind, it mesh, it would mesh very nicely with your lightness and darkness. Like it would mesh very nicely, quite frankly. Like they're sort of like I can be, I can take things the more seriously than anyone else could ever take them when I need to. And then I also have to not take anything seriously because that's the balance kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And Ken is hysterical. He has a very dry, sarcastic sense of humor. Um, very funny. We have some conversations that people would be really horrified at if they didn't get the whole gallows humor of sure, life. Sure. But that's how we work. Like early on in our dating life, um, you know, back when we were secretly dating, um, Wait, we what were was both. Secret? Oh, because you were a reporter. I was a reporter. He was a fire chief. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> we were both at a fire, <laughs> and it was a big fire. And then he, you know, they put it out, and and then the electricity was out, and he's like, "Hey, let's go get Chinese food and talk about the fire." And I'm like, "Ooh, all right." <laughs> oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And I'm Emily Heller. Nine years ago, we started a podcast to try and learn something new every episode. Things have gone a little off the rails since then. (laughs) Tune in to hear about. Low stakes neighborhood drama. Gardening. The sordid, nasty underbelly of the horse girl lifestyle. Hot sauce. Addiction to TV and sweaty takes on celebrity culture. And the weirdest, grossest stuff you can find on wikipedia.org. We'll read all of it no matter how gross. (laughs) There's something for everyone on our podcast, Baby G. Geniuses. Hosted by us, two horny adult idiots. Hang out with us as we try and fail to retain any knowledge at all. Every other week on Maximum Fun. Baby
A man goes to the doctor and says that he's depressed and that life seems cruel. The doctor says, Ah, the treatment is simple. The great clown Pagliacci is in town tonight. Go and see him and you will surely feel better. The man bursts into tears and says, But doctor, I am Pagliacci. Ah, okay, says the doctor. In which case, try listening to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is a multi-award winning comedy podcast and you can find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I got to get into this Nash game with you. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to anything or I, e- at least sort of know what I'm doing when I do I this, do. I just and Kevin to told work. me to just relax and do free association and not to uh-huh. put too much thought into it. He's not wrong. And once again, you've described therapy. So (laughs) not something I attended, but this is very exciting because I am excited to hear what your answers will be. Okay. First one for you. And I have not planned any of this out. So I'm really thinking on the fly myself. So it's like we're both having to free associate. All right. Okay. So first one is let's do three. Yeah. Let's do like three sort of cozy mystery worlds that you can jump into and just hang out in hang out with the characters maybe you're helping them solve a mystery or two um though let's just assume those worlds are real and they're happening all the time even when we're not there you can like sort of pop into three worlds that uh that sound fun to you in that realm uh the small town corner store um how about the bookstore in a little town and I'm going to go with the Cat Cafe. Okay, great. Wait, what are you answering? <laughs> Aren't those, those are, those are like places that I would set a cozy mystery. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was saying pre-existing cozy oh, mysteries. Oh, 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 oh. Like oh. those worlds exist. But I'm oh. keeping this because these are all great. Okay. So this is setting for cozy mystery. Yes. But this is like, you can go be in Three Pines. Oh. You can go hang out oh. with Angela oh. Lansbury's character, yes. Jessica. Oh, you know okay. what I mean? Like. Because I know you watch a ton of Acorn, too, so I'm guessing you have more than three kind of, like, cozy mystery existing worlds that you would be like, oh, I want to hang out with that person in that world. I would like to go to the little island in Scotland where Hamish Macbeth lives. You knew you were going to say that. You knew Hamish. Oh, I love Hamish. And his little dog, Wee Jock. Um, Yeah. I would like to go to Shetland and hang out with Jimmy Perez. The um, next thing I knew you were going to say. And Cleves. Agreed. And... You know, it's not really a, well, who's my third cozy mystery? You know what? It's not really cozy. I was going to say Archer Mayer's Vermont. I'm going to go with Archer Mayer's Vermont. Yeah, that's fine. Because it's a little more gritty, but Vermont, we have to get that in there. Great. Okay. Fantastic. Uh, Next category, all due respect to Fire Chief Ken. This is MASH. Three alternate universe romance or sexy times kind of folks can be characters from a book characters in a movie comic book real life people from any age any era three okay um i am gonna go with my big crushes from the old days i'm gonna go with john kuzak and say anything great um matthew good in the discovery of witches yeah, where he was Matthew good is super extremely smoking. good looking. Yeah, super smoking, and he's he falls along the side of almost too good looking. Yeah, unlike John Cusack, who is adorable yes. but not like like 
why should are you an underwear model like kind of thing and then Matthew Good is like approaching underwear model do you know what I mean mm-hmm. oh yeah but very 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 handsome very man. handsome Great. um and I'm gonna go with Andrew McCarthy and Mannequin because I've been stalking yes. him around Exeter this week <gasps> does he live up there no but his daughter is now going to the school okay. in town okay and this is exciting because I am friends with Jonathan Silverman who lives in my nabe and I, I like this idea of you becoming friends with him, and then we convince them both to do a Weekend at Bernie's reunion. Oh, I like um, it. Yes. Slash remake. Everything's okay. getting rebooted. If they're rebooting Nash Bridges, the show no one watched set in San Francisco <laughs> starring John, Don Johnson, which apparently they are. Don Johnson. They could reboot. A, they could reboot a weekend at Purdy's. Um, he's so adorable. The little crooked two front teeth, like, and his little bashful smile in mannequin, certainly, but also like pretty in pink and stuff. Like, he really yeah. had something special. He he's did. Great. And he was in our bookstore and he had a mask on, so nobody recognized him. But then he like tweeted out a picture, like, I love when I walk in the Water Street bookstore and my fo- my book is on there. <laughs> Oh, and I went. Oh, okay. In, and they're like, "Oh no, was that him? Nobody knew because he had a mask on and he was super uh, low key." <laughs> and he then threw it in everyone's face by going super full public to show that he had been incognito yeah. just moments before. Yeah. Very clever, Andrew McCarthy. Very clever. Okay. Next category. Let's do three places in the world that we can teleport you to that you have a second home. It doesn't even have to be a vacation home because it could be in the bustling streets of Paris. You know what I mean? But it's a second mm. home somewhere. Um, so I'm going to go my first, which is like my all-time favorite place, St. John in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Great. Uh, very quirky, hippie kind of place. Um, place two, just going to go a little further north, Key West. Great. And place three, I really feel like I need to go somewhere in the U.K., but I'm not sure where. I just mm-hmm, feel like mm-hmm. I really need to move to England at some point. Yeah. What about Wales? Oh, I can't understand. I Wales. Well, you know, though, when I hear the guy that was in Perry Mason, what's his name? Talking. Oh, yeah, Matthew Reese. Matthew Reese. When I hear yeah. him talking when he's not doing like an American accent, I can't understand him. Really? Because okay. So I think. God, have I even heard him not use that regular? You wouldn't believe it. I mean, Anthony Hopkins is from Wales. You know, he's got a little yeah. bit of a sing song, but he's like, you can definitely understand what yeah. I'm saying. It's true that they definitely speak Welsh there, though. Yeah. You're right. Maybe not. Maybe, Maybe not. Ireland. Hmm. What? That's going to be even harder for you to understand. <laughs> I, half the Irish accents outside of television and film, you're like, what now? Uh, yeah. Right. I'm putting the UK. You've got a wide range yeah. that you can choose from. Okay. Next ones. Let's do a category of three like small businesses that you can have that we're just assuming... And I feel like this could end up being the same answers as the the little cozy mystery settings, by the way. But three small businesses that, you know, it's all it's only the good stuff. It's like whatever you think of owning a flower shop, it's just like all of the the fun, positive stuff. So you don't have to worry about you don't have to be practical about like, oh, but then I'd have to blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, not in this universe. This is all pleasure. OK, so what would my three businesses be? Um, mm-hmm. A bed and breakfast, a um, <laughs> a scooter tour company. Oh, my God. Amazing. Great. And I would like to do a sailboat charter company. Ooh, very cool. Okay, great. Okay, next category. Three foods that we are putting in this alternate universe that 
there's there's no such thing as like it's too sugary or too fatty or I'm allergic to it or it hurts the earth or anything like that. This is all sort of magical realm where we can remove all of those things. And if you want to eat a sleeve of Oreos at a time, there's just not going to be any ramifications at all. So three things that you would love to have. It's not like you're only eating that, but it's just those three things are things that you're like, yeah, I would love a snap on my fingers to have this lobster roll or whatever. Yeah, I'm allergic to lobster. Um, I will go with not in this world, not in this world. Um, I'm going to go with bacon. Great. Brie. And Great. keep it simple. Raspberry white chocolate love. scones. Oh, hello. Berry white chocolate scones. That's a really specific scone flavor. It is. And yet I feel like we might have made those on Dinner in a Movie when I was doing Dinner in a Movie a million years ago. Really? We definitely made scones. We made scones more than once, and I think we actually made – I know we made them with white chocolate. And I'm pretty sure they would raspberry white chocolate. And then a different time we made them with apricots. And the key to making great scones is to use dried fruit because it rehydrates and plumps and is nice and juicy and sweet oh. in a way that you would think that the, the fresh mm. fruit would. But no. In fact, you want to do dried fruit. Little tip. Dinner in a movie. <laughs> uh, I didn't know that little tip. And I'm thinking in my head, oh, no. I have a scene in my book where they were excited that the fresh in-season raspberries were used in their scones. <laughs> Well, it might be different with something like that's stone fruit. You know, raspberries yeah. are a different beast. But they, I, yeah. I, I think because you don't really have, you don't get, it's not like people walk around, they, maybe like a freeze-dried raspberry, yeah. but that defeats the purpose. So I think you're totally right I'm on totally right for on. a berry. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the stone fruits that yeah. sort of rehydrate and plump up. The like, kind of stuff that you would like a prune or like a, you know. Like a cherry. Like that's what you think of. Like a cherry. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Like but a dried yeah, no. cherry, dark chocolate. That wouldn't scone. work with raspberry. No. It, it truly wouldn't. So we're fine. And right. you do not have to do a recall of all your books and change. I'm like, sorry. A small factoid. This, this, this little You're factoid safe. here, I think yeah. those raspberries would have like bled. It's like when you mix something into batter and like all of a sudden the batter is like pink. Yeah, well, it would make adorable sort of heart-shaped, accidental heart-shaped pink scones. There's nothing wrong with that. It's good. I would love that. I would love that. That's why they made pink lemonade. Pink lemonade isn't a thing. They just had to make something prettier, so they decided to make it pink (laughs) lemonade. This is true. Okay. Uh, Next category, let's do three. Oh, this is so hard because I just want to give you really fun stuff, but let's do three animals that in our reality probably aren't reasonable to have as pets for one reason or another all of that goes away and in this alternate universe you can have three pets and don't you know it's not carol baskin's not going to get mad because this is a alternate universe where it's okay to have a tiger cub but no one should ever get a tiger cub but in this alternate reality stuff like that is okay like if you want a giraffe a giraffe it's okay. oh my gosh janet the possibilities are so endless with this know, and it's it's hard because i'm such a cat person so i would say like in my alternate universe i would like to have like 20 cats instead of three got and it not i will have, take that and not have the litter box issue um yes. so that would be like the dream world um maybe a little miniature pony that could come in the house and like uh-huh. <laughs> watch tv with us and stuff great great and um Hmm. Let me think of the last one. Um, how about a parrot that wasn't going to be pooping inside on like newspapers that was like trained to like use the toilet? Great. Great. There's a theme here. Toilet parrot. I know. Dude, that's you're being very practical and spoken like someone who has real life animal shit experience, which I mean, 
cleaning stables is mm-hmm. an early way to find out how much an animal can poop. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's good exercise. I was in the middle of talking to you while I wrote. So the third category says trained toilet parrot. <laughs> <laughs> trained toilet parrot. We'll all remember what that means. Okay. And then final category, let's do three real life mysteries, three true crime mysteries that you can solve for the world. Oh, boy. I'm going to go Maura Murray because yeah. we all need to know what happened to Maura Murray. Um, there was a, actually, there's a, a case in our town in Exeter that I really would like to see solved. Tammy Belanger. It's a girl that went missing back in 84, and they never found her. She was in mm. school. She was in elementary school, and it's kind of haunted the town. And yeah. true crime. Uh, you know, it's a current case, but I really wanted to know what in the world is going on with that Murdoch case down in South Carolina. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the multiple generation, like what is going on? Yeah. Yeah. Then he got shot in the head. Did he shoot yeah. himself in the head? Is someone trying to kill him? Yeah. It's cuckoo. Is he trying to kill himself? Who knows? It's cuckoo. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. I am very curious about that. Okay. Uh, give me a number between one and seven. Five. Okay. All right. This is your opportunity. We've talked about it a little bit, but we need to bring everything full circle. Um, if you could talk about certainly the book um, and then, you know, the podcast, uh, feel free to s- sprinkle in some um, local advertising for your pet detective abilities. <laughs> uh, but this is you vamping just but like it's rounding everything up that all the things people need to check out and follow you on and all that kind of stuff. OK. And it won't take me that long. So okay. I promise you won't be vamping for too long. All right. Great. Well, so um, Crime Writers On is the podcast that we uh, became associated with each other through. And that is for true crime writers from New Hampshire. We started as Crime Writers On Serial. Uh, We had to drop the serial eventually. We we just became Crime Writers On. We do true crime, pop culture, reviews. And we're really kind of like the Beatles. We're like a band. Um, But I love it. I also do Leave It to Bricker, in which I solve mysteries, or at least mysteries to me, in my little town of Exeter, New Hampshire. And that is on our Patreon feed, the Crime Writers on Patreon. And the big news this fall is the launch of Dead on Deadline, the first in the Piper Green Exeter mystery series. This is a cozy mystery set in my adopted hometown of Exeter, New Hampshire. Piper Green, our protagonist, returns home to take care of her beloved Aunt Gladys, a kind of feisty 80-year-old lady who dances to show tunes, drinks martinis, and fell off the porch, um, causing some broken bones. So uh, Piper's at home to take care of her, working at the little newspaper in town when, oops, somebody gets killed during the Independence Festival, celebrating our independence and the fact that the town here in Exeter received our Declaration of Independence two weeks after the 4th of July. And Great. so, yeah, Dead on Deadline is um, a really fun read. There's a lot of quirky characters. There's some Easter eggs in there for Crime Writers On listeners. Um, Oh, that's great. I don't think you've announced that before. Yeah. So I wanted to see if people noticed. So there are some Easter eggs in there. And if you are a regular Crime Writers On listener, you're going to recognize some of these fun details. Um, (gasps) So we have... Now, when is this coming out, Jenna? Uh, This will come out 
Well, when it when when is best for you? And by the way, I oh see no, because I was going to say face now, and I'm scared for you to get more sunburn. So oh, I'm, I'm fine. Like it's just a thing. Well, I was going to say I have like events this week, but I'm not going to put that up because they're just like oh yeah, events. those will yeah, yeah, those yeah. will be over. Even if I release this on Thursday of next yeah. week, I guess that would probably because that's when my podcast comes out. No, that's so. fine. Um, so yeah, so so dead on deadline, we're having a lot of exciting events. You can check out my website larabricker.com to see where I'll be. I will be at the local corn maze in October on Doggy Day. And um, I can't, what's not to love in every part of that sentence? Well, what's not to love? And then my twisted brain, I'm like, murder in the maze. Yes. Somebody gets That's killed. That's basically what corn mazes are for. And strung up like a scarecrow. Yeah. So just It's saying. a no-brainer. It's great. It's yeah. great. Yeah. Oh, God, you're never going to run out of ideas. Ever, I won't. I won't. Years, ever. Um, and so if you want to follow me, I'm at Lara Bricker on Twitter. And you can follow me there for cats and crime and catio photos of my cats and perhaps pictures of me on my little pink scooter with cat ears riding around my town looking for scandal. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, you know how I always say on my podcast, like, the best thing you can do for yourself is imagine yourself as the protagonist of your own story. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be envious that, list- listeners, don't be envious that Lara has the most clear version of that where she, <laughs> it's the easiest to imagine yourself as the charming, adorable center of a story. Um, but you too can also do that. Everyone else. Don't be too jealous. Mm-hmm. But be a little jealous because it's definitely you should be. Okay. I'm very excited about these uh, MASH results. I feel very good about your alternate universe life that you are living. Number one, you have a beautiful mansion in St. John. Ooh. Um, kind of extraordinary. Uh, that is absolutely fabulous. And it feels right that you also have a sailboat chartering business um, because you could run that out of there as well as uh, in the northeast of the United States. Um, so I don't know, maybe like there's, you know, two, you have like a split, a split off kind of branch of that. So you have two different places that you do that. Um, Listen, I may, that may be something that you're also doing when you pop into the world of Shetland. Uh, well, but not when you pop into Anne Cleve's world that takes place in Shetland. Um, also by the sea, also very beautiful, maybe a little more tempestuous and brooding than uh, St. John. But, I mean, I'm very envious of that. I would love to to hop into, I mean, it's Vera, right? We're essentially mm-hmm. saying, oh, no, it's Johnny. No, it's, it's, no, that's it's, Johnny. It's Johnny uh, Perez. Jimmy Perez. Johnny Perez. Yeah. Jimmy Perez. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. That's Shetland. But it, Anne Cleves, doesn't she? She does she Vera. also do? She does Vera, too. Mm-hmm. So there, and then I think it's also set in Shetland, yeah? Now, that's in North, uh, oh, Northumberland. Okay. England. Thank God you know more than I do. Well, it's basically I've both all read I did. and watched all of those, <laughs> and I all I can tell you is that everyone has more or less a Scottish accent, I think, or yeah. maybe just Vera does. Okay, uh, so Shetland—that's also happening. Um, I love the idea of just unlimited brie everywhere you go. Unlimited brie. I don't know if that's something that you're going to have to fight off your 20 cats who might also enjoy a little brie from time to time. Uh, but you definitely have the ability to have 20 litter box free cats, uh, which is <laughs> saying a lot. That's a big get right there. That's a big get. Um, you have a cozy mystery of your own set in a bookstore. No surprise there. And you are living this life as you reveal to the world the truth about Maura Murray, which 
thank God you chose that and that you ended up with it because that is a very big mystery. Um, very satisfying to get the answer to that. You are doing all of this with uh, John Cusack's character in Say Anything oh. or John Cusack's Circa Say Anything, which is like, that's a person you want to have these adventures with. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. And he's totally in for all of it. Yeah. I just hope his car doesn't break down. His car will break down. His car yeah. will break down. <laughs> you will get in a fight. He will have to hold a giant stereo up to your window, yeah. even though that's not even a thing anymore. <laughs> he will do that. He still will need to do that. It's still a thing um, in Vermont, Janet. And by the way, that Peter Gabriel song has not gotten any less beautiful low these many years. It's like, I feel like In Your Eyes is something that's so ubiquitous that people just stop thinking. Like, you don't think about how beautiful it is. And then every once in a while, you stop and you listen to it with fresh ears, and you're like, yeah, this song deserves to be as mm-hmm. popular and beloved as it is. It's such a great song. Absolutely. Ugh, that's such an era. Um, Laura, this has been so much fun. I feel like you could have your own season of podcast <laughs> about your life and adventures. I feel like I barely cat scratched the surface, Ooh. but it was an absolute treat. And, uh, and I'm so glad you did it. The question remains, should I try to get Toby to do this? Or is he just going to be so like, oh, you don't want to hear about that. Well, I did that. Oh, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> oh, like, you know, Toby, like Toby. Be so shy. Oh, he's not shy. Toby will come around. I think Toby should okay. be the next crime writer to do this. All right. Well, he's also would be the last crime writer. He would be the last crime writer. So I I feel like Toby needs to do it. I need to complete the set. I need to collect all four. Oh, my God. It's like collecting the Hummel toys. (laughs) (laughs) Let me assure you, it is much better than collecting the Hummel toys. Much, much better. Uh, I cannot wait to read the book. As you know, I got it a couple of days ago, and uh, I'm hoping to crack into it this weekend because it is exactly what I need to relax. So thank you for that. Thank you for the gift of that to everybody. And uh, everybody else, I'll talk to you next time on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. That's awesome. A treat. What a treat. Um, it was so funny. Did I tell you? The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Hey, remember one We could save kittens from trees Or lunch on skyscrapers Bring the villains to MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported